You're listening to Raceroo Radio, where fitness and racing are combined. Each week, you'll hear us bring you a fitness tip to help you with your fitness journey, as well as covering the latest current event news, covering NASCAR, Formula One, and sprint cars. We always have lots to talk about, so buckle up and take another lap with us. Thanks for listening, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you can find our multiple updates every week at Raceroo Racing, and you can find our fitness updates at Raceroo Fitness. Enjoy the podcast with Ryan and Jordan. Here we go. Hello there, Raceroo Nation. Today we're going to talk about the Roval. So this week's episode, we're actually going to try something a little different starting this week, and I think it's a good week to do it. Uh, Jordan's off camping. Uh, should be packing up to leave the campground right now, actually, but um, he will not be with us today. So, um, but while uh, while we're doing that, it's a perfect time to do this transition. Basically, the plan going forward, I I am going to try, is that Jordan and I are going to post individual um, commentary about the races. We're going to release on Monday or Tuesdays. Uh, but when we get together over the weekend, we'll record and then we'll put the NASCAR segment in behind that that we record on our own. <clears throat> so I feel like that makes a lot more sense rather than waiting to the whole next week to talk about the race. So, But uh, we're going to finish off with the Roval. So the Roval... Um, I feel like every year the Roval just kind of gets a little more like a normal race. It's, uh, you know, the very, very first race, we obviously, they came out of the gate hard with uh, Truex and Jimmy Johnson having that epic last turn wreck that gave the win to Ryan Blaney. So you would expect that every year would not be the same kind of drama as that. Uh, now, with it being a cut race, it does tend to produce a lot of drama, um, especially the way that the road courses go where, you know, if, if with the stages, which by the way, I thought it was a great addition to bring the stages back, especially for the Roval, but with doing that, flipping the stage, you had a lot more strategy, you had a lot more guys involved in trying to, you know, do I get points or do I compete for the win? What's the right move here? <clears throat> and so... Um, I feel like it was, it is the perfect cut race. I, it adds a lot of intrigue, especially because of flipping the stage. I don't think you get that on the oval. Um, I, honest to God, we get to this point into the year. Obviously, football's going on. It's hard to get viewership from football. I feel like if it's the oval, it's even harder. Just because that while the mile and a half races have been good, we seen what the Coke 600 was. And the Coke 600 was is great. There's no problem with that. But it becomes another mile and a half. And there's not quite as much of this jumbled up mess. You're not going to have the guys who are running in the top 10 getting all the stage points. So, you know, someone who's struggling but competing on that cut line uh, still might have a shot just because they stay out and get the points that they need. Um, you look at what Truex did, stayed out and got a lot of stage points that really, really helped his ability to move on. <clears throat> so I, I think that the Roval needs to stay. I feel, feel like it needs to stay, and it needs to be a cut race. If it's anything else, I don't think it's quite as intriguing. So 
it, it has a place on our schedule, um, and I, I feel like it's just in the perfect spot. Is it was it the most entertaining race that we've seen at the Roval? No, I feel like as years go on, you you should expect that the chaos of figuring it out would start to go away. That being said, there is still there was still drama going on. Bubba Wallace was having a very good race until he got spun out. Um, there was a couple cautions, not as many. It seemed like they were a little slow to pull the trigger this this week, which was fine. That's not a problem. But, um, you know, the guys who were dominating early didn't end up being the guys who dominated late. Um, and so I, I feel like it. there's enough there for it to be a good enough race on its own. I feel like it ends up being the perfect cut race, uh, similar to how Daytona is to cut us off and to go into the playoffs. Um, I feel like it would, be a, it would be a mistake to bring the oval back unless you add a third race at Charlotte. I don't think that that's the best move because Charlotte, for it being right here in the heart of race country, it tends to be one of the worst performing races as far as uh, attendance. Uh, probably because, you know, everyone in this area is so fatigued with racing. Uh, I can I can understand that. Um, but at the end of the day, if there was going to be a third race added somewhere, I feel like Charlotte's the best place to do it. It's less overhead for the teams. Um, you already know that the racetracks don't really stress about having people in the stands. So if you're going to do a third race somewhere, it might as well be here where it's going to be cheaper for the teams. Um, you don't see a lot of destruction. So I would be okay with adding a midsummer uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway race. Um, maybe even have it as a second race of the year. We, we're talking about having issues with it being Atlanta. Maybe Charlotte can get a third race and it can be one of those you know, Friday night ones that they've been talking about or something like that where we don't really care as much. We know that certain races on the schedule are going to have less viewership, less attendance. So if you kind of lean into that a little bit, I think that that actually can work out for the sport. Now, that being said, I'm I'm opposed to having three races, uh, just kind of pitching that out there. But um, yeah, I think that, I think that Coke 600 Roval needs to stay. Um, I'm I'm actually kind of glad that we're doing away with the Indy Road Course now as time's going on. Uh, I think that it just make the Roval just becomes unique. And I feel like we need more of that because of how dominating the mile and a half have been in the past. Um, obviously, we're bringing another oval back in Indy. We're going to another oval in Iowa, which is pretty similar to Richmond. So um, having something on the schedule that's unique is, uh, to me, a great thing. Uh, the only other thing that the only other road course I would really consider us adding is the uh, the Roval at um, Daytona, simply because uh, I feel like the Clash that would be a good spot for it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to LA like we've been doing, but it's you know it, it's we've talked about it before. It doesn't make much sense to go all the way out west do a race, come back for a couple races, and then go all the way back out west for another couple races. Um, I think it would make much more sense to move it somewhere else in the year. Uh, no one says that we have to have two all-star races, and they have to be the before Daytona, and they have to be 
the weekend before the All-Star Race. No one's saying that. We can move it. There's no problem with that. So I, I think that if, you know, I think new, if North, uh, North Wilkesboro was being given a regular points-paying race, I think that you could move the Clash to the All-Star Race, and you could put it wherever in the season you want. doesn't really matter. You can put it wherever. It doesn't have to be in the, the slot it's in now. So, uh, and you can circle that around your West Coast swing. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. You can move the West Coast swing to a different part, point in the year. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of things you can do there. Um, but anyway, kind of getting off track of the, of the Roval. Uh, basically, just having that unique uh, race there, I, I feel like that was a part of the appeal to it, of it to begin with. Um, Indy didn't work. The Roval has been, I feel like, a success overall. Now, to critique it a little bit, um, and it's not a critique on the, the race course. It's actually, I think it's a phenomenal race course, I think, for a road course. Um, for fans to be able to go and see the whole racetrack, basically, that's a, that's a really big deal. If you've never been to a road course, I mean, from pit road, you can't, you can see them come by the front stretch. That's it. I mean, I'm thinking about, like, Montreal. You barely see that. Um, Road America, you see them come up over the hill and down the hill, and you never see them again. Um, there's just a lot of road courses where you you don't get great viewership. So to be able to see the whole racetrack, I think, is pretty phenomenal. Um, but these cars, we, we it was talked about pre-Gen 7, um, they've gotten in a year and a half, year and three quarters, whatever, almost two years, they've gotten back to the point of figuring out these cars so well, and the platform on this car is even more leaned into being stuck to the ground than the Gen 6 car was. So, it's just too easy to drive these cars. Um, obviously, the, the transaxle gearing doesn't help where you can kind of miss a corner and just grab a gear and go. Uh, wide tires, big brakes. I mean, everything lends itself for this car to, to be way, way too good. Um, and with that being said, I mean, it's, it's going to just be hard for guys to really showcase their talents because a lesser driver seems like they can hold position much better than what they used to be able to. And quite frankly, what they should be able to. Um, I feel like the best drivers with a good car should be able to find their way to the front. They shouldn't be held up with by a lesser driver who has a lesser car at that point in the race. So <clears throat> with with that combination, I mean, that's the problem we're having on our short tracks. It all kind of lends back to the same thing. There's too much tire, too much brake, not correct gearing. I mean, it's it all lends to being just too efficient of a car. So, does that take away from the Roval experience? I think it does. Um, but not enough to obviously take it away, based on my opinions from earlier. So, I feel like that's just something NASCAR needs to address. I don't know the right direction to go, because you can't just come out and tell everyone to buy all new sets of wheels, tell Goodyear to design a new set of tires that are not as wide, um... You can't go to the brake manufacturers and tell them, hey, design uh, 
brakes that calipers that aren't as big, rotors that aren't as big. Um, at this stage of the game, it'd be, it'd be very difficult for a quick fix. So it is kind of what we have right now. Um, I feel like if uh, these guys had to, I mean, you did see them sliding around a little bit, but it's still just, there's not enough sliding around that it seems like they really slow down when they struggle quite as much. So <clears throat> I would like to see that change, but, um, you know, that's just, that's the package we have right now for for the time being. I know NASCAR has some things in place that they're going to try to do to improve it. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see how that turns out for next year. And as far as uh, the cuts go from this race, um, you know, I think a lot of people had Bubba Wallace cut off on their bingo card. Um, some people probably had Kyle Busch because of, you know, they hadn't run particularly great for the later part of the year. Um, Brad Keselowski, I think some people might have questions about him because they've run good, but were they good enough to advance? Um, obviously, coming into the Roval, they were well, well, well behind. So, I, I don't necessarily think that was a shock there just because he was in a must-win situation. And while I think that they have speed, they just haven't gotten it done yet in the two years he's been there. So, I don't think that there was major surprises in in who got cut. I think that there was major surprises in who almost got cut. You know, Larson was hanging around there for a little while, but for the most of the day, he was pretty safe. Um, but then, you know, obviously, uh, Martin Truex Jr. still back there. It's two cuts in a row that he was close enough. Close enough. Uh, as a regular season champion, he should have had plenty of buffer to get through these first two without really batting an eye. And to be honest with you, I think his points, uh, his uh, finishes in this round were like 17th, 19th, and 20th or something like that. It was all three of them were back between that 16th to, to 20th range. Um, the only real time I think he got stage points, in front, I think he got maybe some in Talladega, um, got a lot of stage points at the Roval, which really, really helped. But um, it's very surprising to see the regular season champion struggle this much. The only time, if I remember correctly, the only other time the regular season champion did not qualify for the Final Four was Harvick in 2020. And that was going to be by one point had he not spun himself out. So um, other than that, it was I don't really remember it being much of a contest to get all the way through there. So you would have thought that Truex would have not had any many problems, but they have been so bad that in these last six races and even a little bit before that, that you just, I feel like they're going into this round in second in points. William Byron has separated himself as the leader. Um, you would imagine William Byron has a good enough point advantage that they would really, really have to struggle to to not make it. They would have to have some really bad things happen over the course of the next three races. But Truex, you kind of eye in him like, you know, especially if if two guys locked himself in in the first two races, he's going to go to Martinsville, a place where he's very, very strong, and potentially have to go in in a winning situation, a win or go home situation. Um, now, these, this three rounds, or this round here, these three races, you would think 
would be strong for him. But, you know, the, the other mile and a half we've been to in this, I mean, obviously he had a tire go down in Kansas, uh, did qualify very well, but they just, they haven't had any kind of results to lend you to believe that they're just going to come out here and just get their mojo back. Um, momentum is huge. I think we're forgetting that it's not like he's just going to show up here in Vegas and all of a sudden dominate and win a race. Momentum's huge, and their momentum, it, their win has completely been taken out of their sails. Uh, the only thing that they can rest their hat on right now is we've been terrible and we have made it. Um, now, with that being said, if he makes it through the last time he was in the playoff battle a couple years ago, he should have won that one. Um, he, he really had that race won for the majority of the race over Kyle Larson, and it just so happened to be that on the last caution, um, his Truex's guys didn't do quite as good of a pit stop as Larson's, and that was that was that for his championship hopes. So, uh, when if he gets to Phoenix, he probably would be fine. But um, yeah, a lot of questions for him the next couple of uh, of races. So, oh, and before I forget. Just as a, a final thought on Truex, um, had Kyle Busch been able to finish that one off, uh, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Truex would have been gone. So, um, again, back to the momentum there, you just have to believe that they're kind of looking at them, themselves like, we have been very, very fortunate at this stage. So, uh, now, Christopher Bell is on the pole today, so you'd have to believe that they're is some kind of confidence that there should be speed in those Joe Gibbs cars. Christopher Bell has been absolutely on fire lately as far as qualifying. So you know that that 19 should have pretty comparable speed. <clears throat> now to put in a pin into the Roval for this week, um, I do think that one thing that needs to be addressed is uh, you know, Bubba Wallace obviously getting spun out on the backstretch um, and then having to serve a penalty. I think that this is something that really should be addressed going forward. It should have been addressed at a couple races in the past because of, you know, scenarios of, of how things played out. But it made no sense for Bubba Wallace to get wrecked, you know, lose seven, eight, nine, ten spots, and then have to serve a penalty. Um, I, I kind of thought this way back on the very first race where Jimmy Johnson spun out. Uh, took Truex with him. By the time Jimmy, Jimmy got going, he he cut the corner. Yes, sure, okay, but he never. I mean, he he lost five or six spots, I think, in the process of just getting to the start finish line. So, in in my mind, if you cut the course to gain an advantage, I understand. If you cut the course because you spun or got spun, especially in Bubba Wallace's case, where he got spun uh, it makes no sense to serve the penalty like you did not cut the course again at an advantage um you did not cut the course intentionally it was an accident and in Bubba Wallace's case an accident that you didn't cause I can understand with the Jimmy incident where it's like well you caused that incident so you should also have to serve the penalty I can understand that argument I don't fully agree with it but um to me, if you cut the course to 
gain a time advantage, to gain a position advantage, that's when a penalty should be initiated. If you cut the course because there's a wreck in front of you and you're avoiding the wreck or you are the wreck, uh, another driver forces you off of the track there, that's completely different situations. I mean, you could absolutely, in my mind, <clears throat> consider if you're ra racing somebody for a spot, especially if it's a critical spot, it's a cut line spot, you could force a guy off the track in either of the chicanes and then force them to have to stop in the next chicane or, or get a penalty just because you forced them off. Um, I don't think there's anything in the rules about that. But if it's one of those situations where we need to address it now before it it, it occurs. Um, I thought about this on the uh, the Indy road course, I think, last year when Ross Chastain blew turn one, where it was like, well, I could turn in here and wreck with everyone, or I can completely blow the corner and, and go through the access road because... I don't want to wreck my car. It's kind of like, what do, you, what do you want us to do in that situation kind of thing? So I think if, in Bubba Wallace's case, uh, he did not get a, pair, a penalty fairly. I think that that was an uncalled for penalty. A common sense ruling there should have been, been made. <clears throat> and uh, I guess one more point um, to wrap it all up. A.J. Allmendinger getting the win. Um, that was... Pretty pretty awesome to see AJ and Colleague get uh, get that win. Um, it's been I feel like a very underwhelming year for them, a very disappointing year for them, and I feel like it's pretty obvious that AJ's not coming back based on everyone's reaction. Um, and so it it, it kind of makes me wonder why that reaction was made. Um, obviously, I, you would expect him to be excited, but every time I've seen A.J. Allmendinger win a race, it's been, you know, over-the-top excitement, v very, very happy excitement. Um, and so to me, it was it was kind of an indicator of, like, this was a, a last hurrah kind of thing. Um, potentially, someone's bringing money in for that car that Colleague Racing couldn't refuse, um, you know, AJ's been their kind of their boy over the last few years, uh, you know, and, and Justin Haley was first, was their boy. And then it kind of like AJ kind of overtook that. Um, and so it, it's a little surprising for me to see them move on from him, especially when you're talking about bringing in a guy like Daniel Hemrick, who has really, you know, he, he won one race at the right time. But other than that, hasn't shown a whole lot of potential over his career as far as winning races and championships. So at least with A.J. Allmendinger, he gives you the possibility to go out and sneak a road course win at a Coda or a Watkins Glen and uh, get you in the playoffs that way. Well, obviously Watkins Glen, not so much anymore. But, you know, he, he could be that kind of wild card in those situations um, I guess, I guess that maybe with the road course eliminations <laughs> for next year, they decided that that wasn't the route they wanted to go anymore. And maybe someone's bringing money and, and everyone kind of assumed that that was the best way for the company to go. Um, either that, or maybe he's deciding to retire and, and that was part of it, or he's whatever the case might be. I just was very, uh, perplexed at 
the the kind of reaction that I saw from AJ. It, it it made me think that there was something going on, but definitely do not expect to see him back in the 16 car next year, just from the reaction that that I saw. So, but happy for those guys. Happy to see a non-playoff driver go out and win. Happy to see a guy who hasn't won very often go out and win. Um, good uh, good change of pace from from what we've seen for most of this year. So. <clears throat> that uh that wrapped up the second round of the playoffs. There's four drivers left to be decided for a championship out of eight. Um, I think the easy ones to pick right now are uh, Denny Hamlin, who's been super on fire. Um, kind of cooled off from the first round, but definitely still has a lot of speed. Um, just this this round kind of fell back into his. Uh, they make one mistake a race kind of ways that takes them out of contention for a win. <clears throat> but I feel like he's going to pretty easily get himself through. Um, I would imagine that uh, William Byron, as long as they, I mean, they would really, 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 I think, have to step on it to uh, to not move on. So I got those two definitely as going in. Um, I just cannot bring myself to believe that Martin Truex... I, I wouldn't have him based on performance as of late getting in. I have a very, very hard time believing that he will not advance at this point. Um, you just think that they're going to get it figured out. At, at, at some point in these next three races, um, he's going to turn it around. So, uh, And then the other one, I mean, this round really, really lends itself, I feel like, to Kyle Larson. Uh, obviously he's very good at Homestead and won last year. So, um, you know, the other guys, Ryan Blaney, I, I, I just don't, I don't think that the Fords have the speed, Ryan Blaney, uh, Chris Buescher. I just don't think that they have that speed to, to go out and win one of these next three races. If they did, I would say probably Martinsville is where the Fords have been the strongest. So you could potentially see one of them sneak out something there, but I, I just don't see it in these next two weeks. Um, I feel like Blaney is, is consistent, but not consistent enough to get into the final round with the speed that they've had right now. Uh, Busher has kind of cooled off a little bit from that summer uh, hot streak. Uh, again, not doing bad, just you need to be at the top of your game in the next three weeks, and I just don't see the Fords being able to put that together. Um, so that's two guys out. Tyler Reddick. Um, now, Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell, I, I fully believe, and obviously Bell said, is sitting on the pole today, I 100% believe that they could go out there and win one of the next two races, three races for Bell. Bell could win Martinsville. Um, Reddick could absolutely go out and win one of these next two races. Uh, they've shown the speed to to do that on the mile and a half. Um, but Bell hasn't <laughs> this year. Uh, he's just not really been the finisher that I think we expected him to be from last year. Um, I feel like there was just a little bit of a pullback from, from the way they finished last year. So... I just don't trust them to go out there and, and drive the nail home. Um, I think 
like I said, I think either one of them could do it at any time, but based on the stage of the year we're at with the drivers that they're competing against, I just don't have them moving in to the next round to, to the final. Um, Bell was able to, to uh, do that last year in the, the 11th hour as it was. Uh, I just, I'm not seeing that this year. I feel like they're not riding on, I mean, Reddick did have a big boost winning Kansas. I just don't feel like that they've got that tidal wave of momentum behind them at this stage to uh, to carry them into the playoffs. I feel like there's four other drivers that would be able to move on ahead of them. Now, that being said, if I was going to take Truex out based on the way he's running, I would put Reddick in. So that that's my, I guess, my final four there. Uh, Larson, Hamlin, Byron, and I think Truex would be able to do enough to get it done, but if he does what he continues to do, I think Reddick's gonna gonna get his way in there. So that is my preliminary picks, unofficial picks that mean nothing. Um, speaking of picks from last week, I got Jordan again, so we'll initiate picks. I haven't gotten with him on the picks for this week, so uh, once I hear from him, we will announce that, and that'll probably come out with the podcast that comes out on Monday or Tuesday, so be listening for that. And I'm going to leave this one right there, and hope you all have an excellent day watching some football. Ravens are playing right now, and watching the race later on, and then more football. So I'll catch you all later in just a couple days. Thanks for listening.